Welcome to From a Particular Point of View. I'm Dale. This is a podcast where we look at American life and times from a perspective of faith. There's only one God, man, and I'm pretty sure he doesn't dress like that. We're on a mission from God. Politics. Why should I trade one tyrant 3,000 miles away for 3,000 tyrants one mile away? An elected legislature can trample a man's rights as easily as a king can. Nerd. Nerd! 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 I'm a nerd. I'm pretty proud of it. And enlightenment. What the good doctor hasn't uh, let you in on yet is that your test shows that you're a genius. Please. Your IQ scored right off the charts. There isn't even a classification for you. It was so high. All of your tests indicate that you have the most advanced intellect in the history of humankind. It will test your head and your mind and your brain, too. So sit back, literally or figuratively, and enjoy American life and times from a particular point of view. 106 miles to Chicago. we got a full tank of gas, half a pack of cigarettes. It's dark, and we're wearing sunglasses. Lighten up, Francis. My lords, my ladies, and everybody else here not sitting on a cushion. Today, today... You find yourselves equals, for you are all equally blessed. For I have the pride, the privilege, nay, the pleasure of introducing to you a knight sired by knights. A knight who can trace his lineage back beyond Charlemagne. I first met him atop a mountain near Jerusalem, praying to God asking his forgiveness for the Saracen blood spilt by his sword. Next, he amazed me still further in Italy when he saved a fatherless beauty from the would-be ravishings of her dreadful Turkish uncle. In Greece, he spent a year in silence just to better understand the sound of a whisper. And so, without further gilding the lily, and with no more ado, I give to you the seeker of serenity, the protector of Italian virginity, the enforcer of our Lord God, the one, the only, Sir Dale. Hello, everybody, and welcome back to From a Particular Point of View. I'm Dale, and uh, this week um, is going to be another one of those split ones with um, uh, tending to my nerd side, um, a, a little bit of a look and a preview and whatnot to uh, The Matrix um, Resurrection. It's the, uh, I guess, the extra, I mean, because it was originally the, the trilogy, which most popular sci-fi movies, whatever, um, uh, are trilogies. I don't know if they're planned that way or if Hollywood thinks they can make some more money or whatever. But um, this, I guess they figured, let's try to relive this, which isn't bad, but sometimes some movies don't need it. Uh, and when they try, they either flop or fail. 
And um, with me, I noticed that if the critics don't like it or hate it, chances are I'm going to like it. Um, so I know my, remember back in the day with Siskel and Ebert, they sometimes did a pretty good job. It was with him, them hit and miss. Sometimes they'll say thumbs up or thumbs down, and I, eh, whatever. Didn't put too much into that. But um, in most cases, when Hollywood says, no, it sucks, there's probably a pretty good chance I'm going to like it. Of course, you know, I don't really tend too much with Hollywood. So um, anyway, <laughs> that's what we're going to talk about, the first part of it. And then we're going to talk about something that... Um, I feel it's extremely important in in the in America. Um, you know, I've heard it said from people that I've spoke to because I ask people every now and again. So um, about um, not just about politicians, but about the laws, about um, you know the, the bills and, and Congress and whatnot, and, and what they think about them, and bills that are passed, bills that don't make it, whatever. And with some people I hear, uh, well, I'm not really into politics. Politics, I'm just, I'm not into it. I, I don't I don't follow politics, I'm not into it. And I tell them, well, you may not be into politics, but politics is certainly into you. And um, so with that, <laughs> uh, since it's been a hot topic recently, um, I decided to, uh, to look into um, the voting thing, voting rights or whatever. There's, you know, I started looking into it a couple of days ago and there's actually, I couldn't really find a, a, a good name for it or something. I know it's l- legally labeled, um, but, uh, it's, I got confused between, uh, it's called, they call it two or three different things and maybe they did it on purpose. Cause after all, if there's bad stuff in there, and you don't want people to research it or have a hard time for people to research, then you, you you twist the words of the name so it's easier for people to mistake it and have it harder. Because with most people, um, when they run into a couple of roadblocks, they're going to, okay, I don't have time for this, or I'm not patient enough for it. They just, okay, whatever. And they just go on with their lives. Other people, like me, um, and some people that I know, they actually, <laughs> I guess as part of my journalism thing when I was in college, that I had bad t- a bad uh, habit of, of of digging too deep, and uh, what I was finding was inf- was was really good information. Only it was starting to sway us slightly from the center main point of my column or report or whatever I was doing, and uh, so that's what I was you know dealing with. So I, again, I using part of that, I actually found um, information from a, a slightly unlikely source, but uh, nonetheless. Anyway, so. Um, with that, um, let's see. <laughs> the Matrix. Um, yes, it all began back in, I think, 1999. Um, it, it's called a, a sci-fi thriller action, only I also prefer it to be a, a psychological thriller action. Because um, it's like the, the conversations that they actually spoke of in in all of them. You know, I mean, according to the idea of the movie... Um, we could be living in, you know, what we, you know, what we see as the modern world. You know, you look out your window, whether you live in the city, the rural suburbs, wherever it is, you look out your world and you see the world as you think it might be. However, is it really? Are we actual people living on a planet in the middle of the solar system, just living our lives? Um, you know, choosing things. And uh, going through the, the consequences of the choice, whether good or bad, or are we actually hooked up in our minds to a supercomputer that uh, plays out um, our destiny for us? 
And that's one thing I thought was totally fascinating about this movie to begin with is, uh, you know, of course, a very good movie. It shows uh, Mr. Thomas A. Anderson, computer programmer, software writer, or something for a respectable firm. And um, that's his, his uh, I guess, public life or whatever you want to call it. But in his private time, he was a, a hacker in the corner of the first movie. And he just knew that something wasn't quite right in his life. Something didn't seem right, you know. And, of course, the question was, you know, do you want to, you know, do you, you know, what's the thing? He's like, he, the Matrix. You know what, do you know want to know what it is? And, uh, yes, I do. And the funny thing, I think, is that uh, they explain what the Matrix is in the Matrix, but to uh, Thomas A. Anderson in the computer world, or in the, uh, I guess, the computer world, he didn't really know what the Matrix was. And, of course, they says, well, you can't show, be shown, or no, you, have, you can't be told, you have to be shown what it is. And I've always thought about that. Well, you could be told what it is. However, when you're hooked up to the system, as he was, it, yeah, I guess that's one thing they tried to do is because, um, according to the Matrix, anybody who's hooked up to the system um, can be liable to uh, to change into a an agent, and an agent is a program that specifically targets uh, anomalies and trouble spots in the computer system. And uh, they are resilient, and they are very, very tough. And uh, I guess their object is to kill, uh, is to keep anomalies from happening by just killing them, killing the program or killing the, or whatever the case may be. So in any case, the idea was there's the pill, the uh, mysterious pill, the blue pill or the red pill. And I thought was this was really interesting about this. I didn't even think about this until after uh, just about the time when I was watching the movie, this last one, the uh, Resurrection, where <laughs> the blue pill means uh, pretty much uh, scientifically speaking, the blue pill disrupts the the neural connectors between your brain and the computer because that's how it goes in, in the in the Matrix. The physical the physical body of the person is hooked up to a power plant. Um, and it explains that the human body has enough bioelectricity to power uh, as as a like it's like a human battery is like a human body was is like a battery, you know, between the bioelectricity and the heat and everything else. That's what keep that's what powers the computers. And um, he was explaining this, and uh, so it, um, <laughs> I kind of lost my place there, my thoughts. Anyway, so that's what you know. Pretty much is is that to power the computer. And so when you unplug, um, you have to, you, you take the red pill and the red pill in, in the Matrix movie disrupts the connection between the person who's supplying power to the computer. Now their computers in their ship can actually detect when a person has been disconnected and that's when they target onto this person and go and rescue this person from the machine world. The blue pill, however... I guess reconnects or the the blue pill convinces you that the modern world you see around you is is good and it's normal it's just as what we see today so in a matter of speaking in <laughs> you could say that we consume a blue pill every day you could say that and I thought it was kind of funny in the movie how the red pill it breaks away from the system and shows you reality well, I thought was that's kind of funny because Republicans, the color is red. 
Democrats, its color is blue. So, huh, I wonder if that was intentional. Anyway, so, um, yeah, this, uh, so that's how pretty much how the movie is, is, is of course, um, they're looking for the one, you know, Keanu Reeves is the one, but he doesn't know that at the time. Cause again, there's three movies of the original th- trilogy and at the end. He finally, you know, he, he realized that, okay, I am the one, you know, he, he knows himself. Uh, the one thing about this movie though, is resurrections is, um, they've changed it to the point to where, um, the, the, the beings, I guess, or the programs, whatever you want to call it, um, they are not, well, the programs themselves are the same. There still is a Morpheus. There still is a, a, an Agent Smith. There is a an Oracle, but Lawrence Fishburne is not in the movie. Hugo Weaving is not in the movie. However, uh, Carrie Ann Moss and Keanu Reeves is in the movie, and they bring in new people, of course, which makes it kind of interesting. But in in the uh, the last Matrix, both Carrie Ann Fisher, um, I mean <laughs> Trinity, and and uh, and. Uh, uh, Neo, forgive me, um, both die in the pursuit to bring peace between the computer world and uh, the real world. And in this process, of course, they die. And in the between between movies, apparently, is that the machines find a way to to rebuild and and give give life back into these these people, and they put them back in the matrix, of course. So what they did is in order to keep the world hidden from their hero Nero, their hero Neo, is they give him a job as a uh, in the real world as a um, as a game writer developer, and of course he writes and develops games about the Matrix, and they did a really good job with that about uh, saying about the movie and the games, and and I'm sure there there probably are games about the Matrix, but I I'm not really a gamer, so I don't really know. But um, it was, um, I thought it was fascinating how they, it was a little bit cheesy a touch, but not too bad. But um, it was really great to see Keanu Reeves, um, you know, Mer- Carrie Ann Moss in there again. Of course, um, the main characters, uh, as we know them, the actors themselves weren't, weren't the other ones, like Lawrence Fishburne and Hugo Weaving weren't in there. But still, it's the uh, idea that, um, again, in this, in this movie, uh, the program was different. So pretty much like with 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 um, with Neo, he could see who they were supposed to be, but the programming was different enough to where the image was different. So anyway, uh, I did enjoy the movie. Um, I always go to a, a private theater uh, in the area. Uh, I know the owner, so I go there not only because it's cheap tickets and pretty good popcorn, but because I like giving you know my money to local businesses. And he told me before the theater, before it started playing, well, I like the other ones better. It's like, well, I told him I'll be the judge of that. And um, I did. I, I did like uh, the Resurrections. I'm not going to give away the ending because I'm not that type of guy. But, you know, uh, I'll say two thumbs up, but not two thumbs way up. I mean, there was some, you know, things about it. But all in all, you know, for considering what it was, it was it was all right. So anyway, that's my two cents on um, the Matrix, uh, I recommend it, and I'm kind of disappointed that that it didn't get more attention than what it did, and because uh, I didn't really hear a lot of opening weekend stuff about it, um, I didn't no, don't remember how it was uh, or how it was. Um, uh, I don't remember how it ranked in there. I know the last couple movies I seen, they ranked number one for a time. So anyway, yeah. 
Uh, so we're going to continue on here. Um, let's see. Um, I already got that going on. Okay. Next one, of course, um, <laughs> is uh, the the voting rights thing or whatever. Uh, I th- that they tried to do. Now, what I tried to do, I tried to look this up, the the voting, and it's all about voting rights. So apparently, according to Democrats, um, it's too hard for people of color to vote. Um, apparently, uh, it's too hard for them. The, the window to vote is way too small, way too short. Uh, I've actually heard some people say that black people either don't know how to or can't get an ID. Um, they don't know how to vote. They don't know how to get. They don't know how to do. The, they don't have, don't know how to go. I mean, from what I've heard from some progressives, some liberals, is that they must think black people or people of color are really stupid, because that's just how they, uh, they, they. Some of the reasons why they get that you shouldn't have ID. I guess I, having an ID is racist. Apparently, uh, I don't get it, but okay. <clears throat> but uh, anyway, <clears throat> according to this, um, uh, so what I found on here. Um, I think this is what it is, is H.R. 4. It's also called the John R. Lewis Voting Rights Advancement Act of 2021. Advancement is a matter of opinion, but um, <laughs> okay. And the paperwork for the the, the the text on here is just, to me, immense. It, it is huge, all the crap they have in here. Uh, I was just really amazed. So um tried to do was find... Um, actual information that I could understand because this file I found here seems like a crap load of legal speak pieces. I mean, if you know political jargon, if you can read political documents, this might be, you know, pretty informative to you, but to me, not so much. So I went to a source that I was apprehensive about. Um, I remember when I was in college, they told you do not use Wikipedia, and I thought um, it, I'll, I'll try it. And I found actually some really interesting things about this um, through Wikipedia. Uh, I know that you can change Wikipedia, you can change you know different things. Anybody can go on there, but uh, from what I've been hearing from different sources and reading on Wikipedia about what it all did, it uh, <clears throat> it. Um, it seems to, uh, to to pretty much match. Now, I live in the People's Republic of Oregon, where they haven't had a Republican governor since what '83, I think. And uh, I have a I had a friend of mine who ran for Senate this last time um, against a, an incumbent, of course, a Democrat. She busted her butt out there, doing her best to to win. And I saw her. I didn't. See, I didn't see not one single slice, not one piece, not one, not one macro piece of advertisement. I saw nothing from him. Not on TV. Not on internet. Not on YouTube. Nothing. I saw nothing of him. He sat back in his laurel. I guess it did nothing when it came to advertising. I didn't see nothing from him. Not even a billboard. Not even a, a yard sign. But yet he still won. So that tells me something's wrong. So. <laughs> And then to me, again, that's what that's what it seems like to me that this is trying to do is merge toward an Oregon type of political thing when it comes to to voting. Anyway, so the uh, first thing, let's see, um, it's right away on ethics. That's what it's labeled under. This bill would try would would make it so it would be mandatory for um, 
for elected officials, or at least when you're campaigning, to supply your income tax returns for the last 10 years, which to me, it's none of their business. I mean, if they want to, fine. But if they don't, they shouldn't have to be forced to to do that. You know, why? Um, What I'd like to know, because I know the Democrats have been forever wanting to see Donald Trump's tax returns, um, which, you know, he's made his millions. Good for him. However, he's made his millions. Well, he's earned them. However, though, um, with most Democrats, they also are all millionaires, but their salary for being a public official is not millionaire salary. So, you know, and of course, you know they're you know they're scammed somewhere. They're getting money somewhere when they're worth millions, but they only make like what ninety ninety nine hundred thousand, or they they don't make a lot of they don't they don't make millionaire worth material in their in their salary. So. And then they prove, prove, I've heard them provide their tax returns, <clears throat> but you got to kind of wonder if you're worth millions, but don't wake millions, where does this money come from? Hmm. Anyway, so um, I don't need to see uh, any presidential tax returns from the last 10 years is what they're asking for. I don't, don't need it. Um, it also says they want to put forth <clears throat> the idea that part of this is is a statehood for for District of Columbia, for Washington, D.C., there's a reason why the Founding Fathers did not make Washington, D.C. a state. They wanted some neutral ground that is not biased in, in where the capital's at. Now, they did say, I think in here, that a piece inside, namely, um, there'll be a piece inside of D.C. that won't be a state, but the state will make it so that it turns, you know, the state will, will make it biased because you'll have to have a governor, legislature, blah, 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 blah which usually is either red or blue. And right now, as I understand it, Washington, D.C. is firmly blue. So that, again, push it so there's more Democrats in, in, in U.S. Congress. Uh, gerrymandering, that uh, we're already experiencing that in Oregon, which is, you know, I, I don't support that at all. Um, let's see. Uh, there's other things on here, too. Um, uh, the filibuster. Um <laughs> that does not mention in here right now, but there's, there's some other stuff too. Um, I have to go through it here real quick. But anyway, um, as I understand it, they are trying to do away with the filibuster. Uh, and I know that in Congress, there are uh, rhinos, which is an acronym for Republican and name only. There's a few of them. Um, there are now surfacing because of this a Dinos, which is Democrats in name only. Well, I don't know if they're Democrats in name only, uh, but I know with, with with Rhinos that, yes, they claim they're Republican, but when you vote every single time or 90%, um, when you vote 90% for the opposing uh, opposing idea of you, you know, when you vote 90% for Democrats, Every time that um, these these rhinos get in, they vote uh, the Democrat way. Um, again, there's a few of them that actually voted for the impeachment of Donald Trump twice, but uh, nonetheless, uh, they support most of Democrat ideas and policies. Um, and sometimes Republican, but with the Dinos, it seems like um, every now and again they will vote. Um, something Republican, but usually, of course, is Democrat. Now, with this case here, I thought it was interesting because I guess um, a senator from Arizona um, wants to keep the, the, the filibuster in place. And I thought this was very insightful for this person. Um, it just seems like in many cases, 
the Democrats really don't see into the future when it comes to lawmakers. Um, she was saying that, I guess, that, you know, if we pass this this thing to, to get rid of the filibuster, uh, yeah, we'll be able to get through our our our, ta- our voting rights thing. Um, however, it just opens the door for them because when the Republicans get into power, that means that, you know, th- th- pretty much he said this will come back to bite us in the butt if we get, we get rid of the filibuster, which could very well be. But I fear that if they get rid of the filibuster and pass this Voting Rights Act, I fear that you may never see, again, another Republican president, or at least not for a long time. I just see cheating all over here because, of course, it also says that originally, I guess, the voting bill originally originally had a piece in there that was put in there by, um, let's see, a Representative um, Annie Presley, I guess. Um, I don't see it in here exactly where she was from, oh, Massachusetts, to allow 16, 17-year-olds to vote. But that did not quite make it through, which I think is silly because when you're 16, 17, you don't know, you don't have the intellectual capacity in most cases to vote wisely. That's why you got to be 18 to vote. Anyway, so they talk about uh, the paper ballot, and um, of course they're a big fan of of mail-in ballots, which I am not of. Actually, I enjoy going to a ballot place. I enjoy standing in line, believe it or not. Uh, you should be able to put forth your voter registration card to prove you're registered, uh, provide your ID card, whether driver's license, personal, whatever it is, to show you who you are, to show you're a citizen, and then go to your little booth and vote. I enjoy doing that when I was living in Alaska, because that's how it was. You know, in Oregon, they mail you a ballot, which is cool if you're lazy, you know, or maybe you have medical problems, but... You know, when you, you know, I've seen cases to where friends of mine have gotten actually double copied ballots in the mail or people that used to live there or something. And that's just ripe for, for fraud. So when you tell me, uh, you know, cause again, I've heard, uh, people, you know, Oregon, uh, legislatures or officials in Oregon say, no, there is no fraud. Yes, there is. Every election has fraud to some degree. So when you tell me that, this election of 2020 was the cleanest, most fraud, no fraud at all. I'd tell you, balderdash. It may not be a lot, but it was enough. Actually, I believe this last one was quite extensive. Anyway, so, yeah, it's, um, it's, I don't know. It's, uh, the whole thing is just stinks. Again, there's too many things in here that, um, that would make it so pretty much it, it puts Democrats in firm control for a long, long time. Just like if if uh, if the United States was to adopt a voting thing like Oregon, again, we may not see another Republican president for who knows how long, 30, 40 years, maybe, which, of course, the Democrats would love because that's just further along their, uh, on their, their path to 